This podcast is proudly supported by Red Energy, powered by Snowy Hydro, a leader in renewable energy. Call 131 806 for real Aussie energy. And Prince Wine Store, bringing wine enthusiasts the greatest wine in the world. You couldn't script two more polar opposites than Ash Barty and that bloke whose surname is Curios. She is an utter star. She behaved beautifully. She saved Tennis Australia's bacon. I might have to have a look before I pass judgment. How puff is the puff? It was a long puff, flowy chiffony puff. You just um, don't want too much fabric around chiffon. your body when you're an older woman. Are you going to apologise now? I was waiting for you to say that. Okay. Nicole Kidman, I apologise. You are a brilliant actor. It just shocks me how still people are just so sexist. It's just quite shocking to think that, you know, men we know in their 60s and 50s are having these opinions. Thank heavens younger men aren't and these old dinosaurs won't be around for much longer. Don't Shoot the Messenger podcast with Caroline Wilson and Corey Perkin. Welcome, everybody, to episode 203 of Don't Shoot the Messenger. We are back for 2022. Hopefully, Corrie Perkin, bigger and brighter than ever. Don't know about you. Oh, I, well, I, I probably do feel a bit bigger because I've eaten so much over summer and I definitely feel brighter because you're here back in the studio, Kaz. Welcome home I from know. Amsterdam. Well, it, it is. It's lovely to be home. It's great to be back in the studio with Miss Jane and her incredible bog sage and summer, oh, this summer, the summer pan posy she has brought in today is absolutely beautiful. It's great to see you, Corrie. We're not going to rejig too much of our correspondence because we haven't been on the airwaves for about four weeks. But the last time we were on, or one of the last times, Mum and Clem were special guests. A lot of feedback for Mum over the summer, I must say. A lot of people saying, your mother is just brilliant. She's so funny. And, you know, Mum's just going, mm. <laughs> Yes, I'll take that compliment. I've always thought I was funny, says Joel. Look, she could have her own podcast show, truth be told. Before, In fact, I hear Craig Hutchison might be doing a um, six-figure deal with her. Well, she would probably be thinking that was a good idea. But anyway, no, she, she was brilliant. We'll talk about that in a moment. Look, we're, we're back pretty much the same as we always are, Corrie, but we are going to introduce a new segment. Um, we're channeling Kate Sampiri, um, someone we both loved back in the 70s. Was um, she, she in the Woman's Weekly or the Woman's Day? Woman's Day. Sorry, Kate. Sorry, Woman's Day. Um, please, we're going to ask you to get in touch with us with a problem a modern problem, and an age-old problem, just anything to do with life matters, family advice, kids, work, housemate, manners, etiquette, matters of the heart, obviously, social media. Are we this... drawing the line at sex questions? Oh, no. oh Jane, <laughs> Jane. Jane. Actually, more Jane to... wants to go blue. More to come on that. More to come on that. Um, you very kindly loved my Dutch facts, so we're going to do an amazing fact every week as part of our quick questions. I've got one today that hopefully will work. But anyway, we want your questions. I knew I should have started off this new segment Well, myself. I thought you were. So I was sort of, <laughs> anyway, something came up last night when I... Th- oh, I, I thought you were on a roll with your Dutch facts. So I thought, oh, she can do week one. Well, and I went into the cinema last night because it was sort of the only cool place in Melbourne and um, saw a great film, which I'll talk about in a minute. But um, there was an interesting add on before the film. Just send your questions for Dear Caro and Corrie, which you've named, to feedback at don'tshootpod.com.au. Now, Mum gave a recipe in one of the last shows. It was her friend Jenny Smith, a friend of all of ours, 
It was her pork fillet recipe with a slight sort of Asian shall sue sort of bend. Jenny Smith, who was born on Leap Day. She was born on... So she has a birthday actually this year. No, she doesn't. It's 2022. 2022. It's only in Olympic years she has a birthday, Corrie. There's no January, February 29 this year. I'm pretty sure. No, there's not. There Jane, isn't. could you just check that? Corrie, it's only in Olympic years. You oh, must so, know that. So, oh, well, she doesn't have one this year. Well, I'm confused now with the Olympics, aren't you? Go on. That's true because they don't always happen every four years now. Well, not, not through COVID. Jenny says to you, Corrie. It my, is not, Jane's just saying it is not officially. So everybody who's, a, who's getting ready to celebrate their birthday on the 29th, hold for another couple well, of years. Everybody but you probably knows that, Corrie. Um, Jenny says to you, Corrie, my pork Philip does not turn out like a tired old chop. That's quote unquote because I apparently called it a tired You old brown pork it on shop. the top in the oven quickly, probably two minutes, 15 minutes in the oven, rest for five. Hers was pink and most delicious and finely sliced. Very nicely in a salad. Oh. Happy New Year to us both, she says. Do you think I've offended Jen? Well, you have, and you were very, you were so offensive about it. I mean, imagine it calling her, her pork chops. It was pork chops generally. It's not Jen. even a chop; it's a fillet. Anyway, um, Corrie, I went and picked us up um, because you do so much organising for this show. Bless you. I buy the coffee, and I just want to say thank you to uh, two of our favourites, Albert and Marino, at Pound Cafe, just off Chapel Street in and South Yarra. And who Yara. are huge fans of Ash Barty, great mates of Ash Barty. Well, who isn't, they're really? In, but their Instagram account, the Pound Cafe, it's a lovely Instagram account, by the way, guys. It was, it's been Ash, Ash, Ash for two weeks. Well, they're very happy that we're back, and they actually shouted us coffee this morning. So, um, oh bless! They, they remember Clem. Clem had her crush on her local cafe, and how baristas just kept you up and about during a pretty tough two years. These two blokes, I swear, they were one constant in an ever changing and rather unconstant world. So, um, it's a bloody good cafe. It and is, and you can sit outside with your puppy dogs and their ham and cheese toasties with a touch of Dijon. Well, hey, now, speaking of of, of um, puppies, um, Lynn via Facebook sent us a message. Can we please see some recent panda photos, Corey? Uh, yes, Lynn, you can. The trouble with photographing panda is she is as black as night. <laughs> So you, it's very hard to take a good photo of her. You've but been, you've been um, rolling her out on the white sort of doona cover, though, <laughs> looking very stylish. But she found the white doona cover mm. with wet paws. Anyway, Sadly, I her. came home to a dog on heat and um, it, it did not augur well with the white doona cover, but that's we, the story we having, for another day. Are we having... <laughs> Gosh, that's just put me off my coffee. As you know, I went are, away are very we, quickly. Are we having, and I didn't are we having any, any little queenies on their way? No, no, there'll be a little operation very, very soon. <laughs> Corrie, it's been a weird summer, a summer of discontent. You've labelled it. How did you get through? Oh. Well, you're about the only person I know who hasn't had COVID. So, oh, probably... that, that's a big exaggeration. There are lots of us out oh, there, well, you know, really. hiding in our cupboards. <laughs> With ten face masks on, it was so. It was such a weird summer, and I know that. Uh, I mean, it's really funny, isn't it? Now that we are starting to see people again a bit, the one conversation, of course, you start saying, "Oh, let's not talk about it," and then you end up talking about it ad nauseum. This whole Omicron, this scare through summer, how it's affected people. Being down at the beach where I now live and observing at this time of year. All of the families come down to their beach houses and everybody's excited, ourselves included, the Ballarat gang, Will, Lib, Coco, Charlie, everybody was coming. And, um, and various members of, their, of that group um, got COVID as well. 
But everybody was looking forward to um, getting away with families because we have come out of lockdown. It wasn't that long ago that Melbourne was in lockdown for a long period of time. And so everybody's exhausted. They've been homeschooling or they've been locked down or they haven't seen their parents or their parents-in-law. They all come to the beach and then one person in the household happens to go to the local pub, brings it home. Everybody either gets it or has to isolate or people just rushed back to Melbourne. So it was very weird because you didn't see those happy families on the beach, as many of them. You, the pub was, oh, well, the pub was closed for a week because they couldn't get any staff, but it's just been so More quiet. importantly, so was some of your favourite coffee shops, which was a bit frustrating. That was a bit frustrating. And then when I came up to Melbourne for a couple of days to do some work, I was really struck in Brunswick how quiet everything was. Was everybody hiding inside? I'm not sure. But look, the beach became my friend, Caro. You can't really get COVID down there when you're sitting on the beach by yourself or swimming. Um, And it was just a reminder, I guess, that because we weren't doing a lot of social things, a lot of things were cancelled, which was sad, important birthdays, catch-ups over summer. But uh, it reminded me that the kids and their kids, what great company. You know, I feel very blessed to have my kids as my friends. And there was a lot of sitting around all just nattering and eating and drinking and stuff like that. So how about you coming from lockdown in Amsterdam back to Melbourne into ISO? You've had family members who have been touched. Uh, yeah, well, luckily I didn't have to isolate and that, that was one good thing. Having had COVID, I didn't really worry about it. And gee, aren't you sick of people going, I've had my third vaccine, now I'm going to have... And, and I mean, uh, please... <laughs> I don't want to hear about it. But um, the biggest um, culture shock for me was the glare of the light. We came back around New Year and it was in the middle of a heat wave and it wasn't the heat that, and, you know, I'm, you know, for heaven's sake, I've, we've all been away and come back into a different, different time zone and weather zone. But I don't think only once I think I've come back right bang in the middle of summer from a very, very, you know, wintry Europe. And the light, wasn't the heat, but the light, I just couldn't, I needed sunglasses everywhere I went. It was, everything was so glary and bright and colourful. Over in Amsterdam, it was just lights at night that were beautiful. And yes, things had sort of locked down, but it wasn't such a big deal because it was around Christmas and it's a family time anyway, and we did lots of nice things. That was all a bit of a shock. You you understand how the uh, early, our early artists early 19th century, not so much the Impressionists, but the early European artists who came to Australia just couldn't figure out how to paint our yes. light. Yep. They were really perplexed about that. Oh, look, it, uh, the autumn light in Europe is one of the most beautiful lights, I think, and that was what we witnessed in certainly in October and parts of November. But wow, getting back here in late December, all early January. But, you know, you can imagine... Um, I got home and mum had just put on the table, there was my favourite biscuits, washing powder, the dishwashing, the, the, the dishwasher detergent we use, glad wrap, you know, all about 25 things, including a couple of beautifully wrapped homemade presents. I mean, it was just, we didn't need to go shopping. You know, everybody, our dear friend Trudy had dropped off a huge thing of her sliced up Christmas ham, which with the Vlado's special mustard and lettuce to have in our rolls. And it was, we were very, very spoiled. That was lovely. But on the downside and catching up with friends in small numbers, because all the big things got cancelled, that was really good. Uh, Playing bridge again, which I've done a couple of times, really enjoyable. Noticed I'm quite dressed up today because I'm going back to bridge in Melbourne for the first time. Mm. 
Beware those women who slap your hands, no, Cara. Corrie, you've got to get over it. I should never have told you that story. But, you know, in the first week, um, dog on heat, dog ran at her, I tripped, sprained my ankle, mum got COVID, Clem got COVID on day one of her road trip. Like A lot of things felt like they went wrong in the first week. And everybody very kindly kept my garden alive. But, you know, it's never quite the same. And I tried my hardest. You did your best. You were wonderful. My lovely neighbour, Belinda, even planted basil. you love that, Jane? Basil. There I was watering each night. And I, I know. Look, everybody know, It was did. not a bad job that you did. No, you all did a brilliant job. But, you know, gardens and Jane and I were talking just before, before we went on air, the weather has just burnt the hydrangeas. It's... The tomatoes haven't been as good this year. The basil has, I don't know, it's just been a funny summer. But having said that, the weather, that has been one of the upsides. The weather has been sublime in Victoria. I know our New South Wales friends and Queensland friends friends have had La Nina at her most fierce, but it's been beautiful. We have had the most perfect January. How many nights have we just sat down on the beach till seven o'clock? That hardly ever happens. It's been incredible. And I've loved walking in the water because I can't actually walk the cliffs with you at the moment because of my ankle and it's been absolutely Mm, beautiful. How is your ankle? Is it getting better? Yeah. Well, you don't have to show me. I had to go to a really lovely, beautiful black tie wedding of a gorgeous friend, Paris, and her now husband, Nick, in a moon boot, which was pretty trage. Coral, sorry, just talking about happy occasions. I received a phone call this morning as I was driving to the studio. My godson, Tom, and his wife, Kate, one of my godsons, has they've had a little baby boy, Raymond David. So welcome. Everybody's well, and I'm so happy. So big hugs and kisses to you guys. That's a very old-fashioned name, Raymond. Don't you love Ray? Uh, well... I like grand, grandfather and great grandfather of the I child. I do. It's I beautiful. Do. Yeah. I wouldn't have picked it, but now I'm hearing it. I do. I really like it. It's yeah. quite. Yeah, it's lovely. Well, Ray Norton, David, David's, um, my mate David's dad, um, he was our local electrician in the Sandringham, Blackrock, Bermorris area. Everybody loved Mr. Norton. And uh, I think it's just lovely. Anyway, I just wanted to say, well done, guys. Great news after a summer of not such great news. Sorry, Cara, I interrupted. Well, you've had a gorgeous summer. Just um, before we move on to Dear Caro and Corrie, how, what did you do when, because you weren't selling books for the first time in more than a decade, what did you do in terms of retail or did you just not go to shops? What does a what does an old shop girl do? She finds a shop to work in in Christmas week. So our friend Anna at Cape Merchant at Sorrento, Cape Merchants, sorry, plural. Um, best shop, best gift shop going around. I was her rapper for a couple of days. I rapped. <laughs> well, you are a good rapper. You know, no, I, look, I've come up in the world. No, I was really happy. Not in I the modern, good, modern use of the word. Yeah. I am, I, um, as you know, Carol, I learned how to rap in George's when it was George's and the women wore black and they weren't, we weren't allowed to lean on the counter and we had to rap without sticky tape. So I was actually allowed to have my own roll of sticky tape, but I was as happy as a pig in. I was just in my element. Did miss the bookshop hugely. Uh, did not miss the, the stress of the daily figures. Were we reaching target? Apparently there has been a, an horrendous um, delivery issue with all retail uh, not being able to get stock and our supermarkets tell us that, but bookshops in particular, nothing was being delivered. My friend um, Chris Redfern at the Avenue Bookstore said about a week before Christmas he received something like 100 boxes and sent them all back to the publisher, just said, sorry, too late, can't take it on board. It's been awful. So happy to... to um, yeah, so happy to have had my little retail fix and on to uh, more exciting things um, in the next few months and we'll talk about that. So the I suppose the issue that 
there's been so many issues over the past sort of two weeks. We're talking fresh out of the Australian Open and boy, oh boy. <laughs> I mean, t- I, wow. I can think of 10 headlines straight away that are international headlines, not just local headlines. Our friend Boris Johnson is imploding before our 16 very 16 parties. They had <laughs> 16. <laughs> Party gate. <laughs> I mean, remember we were, we were talking about this back in early December and we both said, kill it off now, Boris. Kill it, Boris. Bad call. Should have killed it but off. But is it sexist because the the, the eminent um, former public servant, Sue Gray, who has conducted this report into Partygate, every time they refer to the report, they say the Sue Gate report. They don't call it the Gate report. And I was listening again to uh, AM this morning and um, – not AM, Radio National, whatever I was listening to – and they referred to the Sue Gate report. Again, why Sue? You don't kind of say – um, the Redmond Barry report. You'd say the Barry report, wouldn't you? Yeah, it's sexist. Oh, well, anyway, just maybe it out nitpicking, there. but probably a might good have point. to send that to dear Carol and Clory. Speaking of speaking of women, what about that poor media director who fell on his sword again weeks before Christmas for cracking a gag about the cheese? <laughs> Gee, she's looking like. I mean, you know, what a poor, I feel sorry for her. Here's oh. a you know wet fish with a you know, shovel or whatever they say. Now, what did should Grace Tame have gone to the lodge on Australia, the eve of Australia Day? Oh, yes. Um, Caro, Grace Tame, throughout her years as Australian of the Year, throughout her tenure, she has performed admirably. She's turned up to everything that she was expected to do and more so, and she's been a great advocate and we're very proud of her. And, of course, she's well-behaved. She went to, to this final moment, which was to celebrate the... Office of Australian of the Year and to hand on the torch, as it, as I suppose that's what you call it. So I think she was a true professional. But for, for glad that the Prime Minister well, ignored 12, the media. Yeah, but for twelve months she's fulfilled her promises and obligations. And I think if we take Grace's point of view, her feeling is that the Prime Minister has not in terms of change for women in the workplace. So she has a moral stand there. Now, whether we agree with it or disagree, whether we thought she was being rude or not, I think we have to kind of get into her headspace a bit and, and just realise that her it's beyond antagonism for her. This is this is something that she and the Prime Minister early in her uh, her year as Australian of the Year talked about and she believed that he that change was on the way. We have, you know, Kate Jenkins, Jennings' report um, sitting there. What's happening with Jenkins, that? Jenkins, yep. sorry, I always get that wrong. Kate Jenkins' report, um, you know, where's the discussion about that? Where's the action? What Where's change? What's happening with Brittany Higgins? Uh, you know, I just, I, 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 can't, I kind of think fair enough, Grace. You know what? Fair enough. What do you I, think? Oh, look. I think the criticism has has been gender based. Having said that, you know, I, I think the criticism of Adam Goods was ra- racist was definitely on racial grounds, despite what people say. I wonder, and it will never happen. But if someone asked me to be Australian of the Year, I honestly don't think I would want to do it. I think it is such an onerous job in so many ways. And you know, had she just snubbed the whole event probably would have been bagged anyway or no one would have noticed. He wanted to make a stand and have people notice how angry he is. This is not a, a gig where you have to be respectful of the Prime Minister. It's a gig as Australian of the Year to represent whatever it is you're there to represent. Yes, you're respectful of the office and of she, Australian of the Year, which she, she was. She was very, very clear and the committee was very, very clear about why she became Australian of the Year. I was at a drinks thing on Saturday night and someone, you know, um, I consider a friend, was uh, a a bloke, was slagging off 
at Grace Tame and slagging off at Brittany Higgins. I mean, in, in the most, oh, it was, it was just, you know, I sort of heard it, you know, I wasn't in the conversation. I had to sort of walk away. I, it just shocks me how still people are just so sexist about these. It, it, it's just quite shocking to think that, you know, men we know in their 60s and 50s are having these opinions. Thank heavens younger men aren't and, you know, these old dinosaurs won't be around for much longer. But, no, I, I can see why it stirred the pot. But on ba- and I, it, it, I had to think about it, but I think he absolutely did the right thing. I really do. So do I. And just on dinosaurs, I had a dinosaur uh, over summer who said to me, he said that sex has been happening between work colleagues in offices for years. What was the Brittany Higgins thing all about? <laughs> I, so do you? So I mean, here's a question for Car- Carol and Corey: Do you sack a friend? It's very difficult, and I know this is friends fall out over politics, friends fall out over religion. It's been happening for centuries, but this was a moment for me where I had to really think about how do I respond here without sounding like, um, you know, sounding shrill. I don't think this was consensual sex that we're talking about. Exactly. I mean, exactly. Are you going to introduce our new segment now? Oh, Jane, we need to get some theme music for this. We might work on that. Dear Caro and Corey, share your load with us today. <laughs> I don't know. Come on. So, listen, we haven't we didn't have any mail in the mailbag because this is a new segment. So, I went to uh, one of my family members and indeed I think we may have discussed this with your Rose on a recent Zoom call to Amsterdam as well. But it's that it's that thing of a modern technology and friendship groups and how we used to have girls in the playground, but now we have WhatsApp groups. And in many ways, the politics are exactly the same. So the question was posed to dear Carol and Corey, if there is a gang of friends who have a WhatsApp group, what's the etiquette of bringing a new person in? I would add to that, and what's the etiquette of deleting someone or taking them off if you're the administrator. Well, you know my view on WhatsApp groups, Corrie. Um, I you think, have a lot, Caro. Yeah. Well, I, I think WhatsApp groups should stick to their knitting. For example, I love our book club WhatsApp group because we generally talk about when the next book club is and books and, you know, maybe the odd literary gag or story in the international media about a book we're looking at or whatever. And I think that's great. That Some, would mean that the Cornish walkers, we'd have to stick to walking topics. I can tell you what we don't do. Well, that. yeah, no, that's true. That's the buzz true. the other night was, oh, I'm flicking off the tennis onto Vera. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I know. Bad call, by the way. <laughs> really Some of bad us stayed call. loyal to the tennis, oh, can I tell you? Yeah, it went so late. And missed, and missed 6.30 yoga. It was unbelievable, wasn't it? Um, look, um, I think, obviously, it's like when you have a card group or a book club. If you're going to introduce a new member, you really need to run it past everyone. And I think that that is um, – what, what do you think, Corrie? I don't want facial expressions. People can't hear them. <laughs> no, I've just I've, I've, I'm listening to Kevin from Geelong where I've just got to not go rogue and just <clears throat> be polite this year. No, <clears throat> you're absolutely right, Caro. I think that um, especially with a WhatsApp group, you have an administrator and that person should be consulted and the whole group should be consulted because if somebody comes in unexpectedly, even if they're the most fabulous contributor, the greatest person, um, the dynamic changes. 
it just changes. So everybody has to be prepared for the change. And sometimes the change is not welcome. And it's a bit like, um, I've, I have seen people step back from WhatsApp groups and just go, no, that person's really pissing me off. Well, that's a bigger question is how do you leave a WhatsApp group? Because sometimes you look at one of your WhatsApp groups and it'll, they'll say, so-and-so has left and you go, hmm. I did. I left, I left my history club one last year or the year before. But you haven't left the history club. No, but I left the WhatsApp group. Why? Oh, there was a bit of, there was a bit of old dinosaur talk, shall we say? Let's just leave it at that. Yes, well, I think that can that can be and it as was big noted. A, that can be as big a statement as um, whether you let people join. But I think, look, there's always room for one more in the circle of friends. I certainly agree with that. But some things like cards. I mean, the uh, card group, and we we haven't played for months. Did we even play last year? I think we maybe played once and I was away. But, you know, if you have more than a certain amount of people, then you can't actually have the, you know, it's too many. And book club, there is always room for one more in the circle of friends. And generally, everyone who's been introduced has been a great success. And some haven't stayed because they didn't want to. But really... We're straying into book club territory now. No, but that's but we could have a whole segment on book clubs, a whole show. But, on book but club I think politics. I think the new members that have come into our book club over the years, when you're going for thirty years, you're going to have new members, and yeah. um, by and large, they've been you know a, a triumphant success. But I just think the rule is you've got to run it past everyone, and if you're administering the WhatsApp group, don't just bring people in randomly. Yes. Is that fair? Yes, I think that's right. It just consult the group because that's what you do. You wouldn't suddenly arrive at a dinner party with a new friend and say, oh, sorry, Shirley, didn't tell you that Marge was coming. Exception to the rule. I think if you're away on holidays and oh, you have yeah, a house guest. Oh, yeah, you can guest, say yes, yes, exactly. I think, you've, I think I house guests have to be included. But when, um, well, we've got a, a group with Rose and Oscar and Oscar's parents, Jane and Johan, and myself and Brendan, and we're called the Amsterdam Family Mega Mix, for want of a better oh word. God, because you come and, up with something better than well, that. Well, there's a few different WhatsApp groups to do with Amsterdam, but the other day um, they introduced the two grandmothers, Julia and Margot. Oh, that's lovely. Yeah, and we didn't need to be consulted about that. I mean, obviously we're fine because we all want to see photos and videos of Sunday. Did, so. did Julia and Margot know how to use WhatsApp? Well, Margot certainly does. And Julia, when she's alerted to it, is pretty good <laughs> and even occasionally sends text uh, messages. Your mum, your mum, when you're away, your mum answered her mobile phone to me. I was shocked. So we have, have we given the definitive answer? Yes, run it past everyone, although there are exceptions like the Amsterdam one. And can we just urge people, like really urge potties to write into us? I know this sounds like a silly segment. Maybe it is. I don't know. Maybe some of the questions will be silly. I think it's a great segment. Some of them might be serious. Some of them might be quite serious. We're really happy to take on board anything, as we said, anything from your love life to friendship groups to book club and why it gives you the pip. How well do you have to know someone before you tell them they've got parsley in their teeth? I mean, I reckon you say it to a anyone. Good, a good girlfriend will do that. Well, so should a good boyfriend. And even if you don't know them that well, if you're talking to them... That's why I don't eat at cocktail parties. Yeah. Oh. Well, you know my rule about cocktail parties. You don't eat at cocktail parties. Well, you have to have something. If you no, no, no. I just, get, I just get smashed. <laughs> Speaking of cocktail parties, what a brilliant segue. One of our wonderful sponsors, and we're thrilled to have Red Energy on board again this year. But we're going to talk now about Prince Wine Store because Corrie, Miles is away, and Miles is developing a bit of a fan club of his own, isn't he, within our group? But we are so going. So true. He might have to have his own show with Jewel. We are going to open the cocktail cabinet, which is brought to us via Prince Wine Store. 
it, uh, just remember, Prince Wine Store brings Melburnians the greatest wine in the world, and you really should go there. But you don't have to actually go there in person to that wonderful South Melbourne shop, which is so big and so beautiful. You can visit Prince Wine Store at princewinestore.com. And use the promo code M-E-S-S in capital letters, that's short for Messenger, to receive a listener discount. What are your thoughts on the cocktail cabinet this week, Corrie? Well, I think while the cat's away, the mice will play, don't you? So I think we should open it up, have a bit of a free fall with you, Jane and I, and just talk about grog we've loved over Christmas. Uh, But also, um, dare I say, and I'm not just saying this because there are sponsors, I am now buying most of my um, alcohol from Prince Wine Store. And it's great. So, Caro and Jane, you have to do this. You have to, you have to set up a relationship with. Um, I have one with the gorgeous um, Gabby Poy, who is at wine, Prince Wine Store, and she is the one who sends out the regular emails. So, people must subscribe to Prince Wine Store's email, and the specials come through each week. And I have been shopping up a store. Jane. <laughs> You have a dilemma which I share. Look, I was just wondering, as Miles is on a couple of weeks holiday, which I think would probably involve a lot of product testing and tasting and and (laughs) research, um, I was wondering... Someone's got to do it, Jane. Curry, I am terrible. I'll go somewhere, I'll order wine out, not so often, or I'll buy a bottle or like it's a special, and then I forget what it was. And the next time I walk in and go, oh, what was that really nice? Cannot for the life of me remember it. Caro... Are you as bad at me as remembering good drinks? (laughs) Completely. I mean, one drink I really enjoy over summer, well, several, but two won't come to mind, a really lovely dry vermouth, white vermouth on ice, or a really lovely dry sherry on ice. And you'll go to a smart modern restaurant and have it and go, this is amazing. Then you'll go to Prince Wine Store or any bottle shop and buy and it's just not the same. And what was the sherry? It was Spanish. Oh, what did what did it look like? And Brendan goes to the point now, and this happened a lot in Amsterdam or around Europe. He would um, he's got that app where you order wine and you app it, and it tells you what it retails for. Oh, okay. Yeah. And yes. so he'd always go, you know, he'd always go, oh, you know, we're getting this for a good price, or wow, we should, you know, get this somewhere. I, I don't have the app. I never photograph the wine. I'll have a Riesling that is unbelievable and then I'll just forget what it is. Well, so, look, uh, dare I say, you know, the phone is your friend in this instance. I know. So there are two There are two ways I do this, uh, Jane and Caro. Um, one is to take a photograph of the label or if you're at a restaurant, take a photograph of the description in the menu. The other thing that we have, speaking of WhatsApp groups, we have a group called Wines We Love which is Coco, Charlie, Charlie's mum, Rochelle, um, a few others. Um, Clearly most... my invitation was lost in the mail. <laughs> you didn't get approved by the rest of the group. <laughs> exactly. I'm not the administrator. You'll have to talk to her. But we, um, if we have a sensational bottle, we, we take a photo and then we do a little descriptor. So it's it sounds kind of cute and just another bit of uh, correspondence you have to look at all the time. But actually I have been in... Prince Wine Store and Dan Murphy's and Vintage Sellers and I've gone, what was that great wine that so-and-so talked about the other day? And it's on your WhatsApp with a photograph. So that just makes life so much easier. And the other thing too is don't be afraid, everybody, to order online because there are grog shops who will home deliver. And when you have it on your screen, you can place an order so so much more because you recognise a bottle. You know, you might say, oh, I was at Corey's house the other night and we had a 
Chablis and it had some name in it. I can't remember. And then suddenly the image will come up and boom. So, and then you order it. So I just think keep using the visual, keep using the phone. And and, um, and if you don't want to do any of that, just have the little notebook in your handbag. Your favourite drink of the summer, Jane? <laughs> uh, basically anything with grapefruit juice. And I think it started with um, your cocktail recipes before Christmas. Corrie's Armadale oh, Soother. Which had the grapefruit <laughs> the pink soda. Oh, and then we went to the actual juice and, and like basically yeah. spritzing everything and adding so much ice. The Armadale Soother is the mm. best. Yeah, my grapefruit tree when it's plentiful. Um, I used to have them for breakfast. <laughs> it's a sign of the times. And now you have it I now have it in cocktails. <laughs> Sometimes still for breakfast. And Corey, your drink of the summer? Well, my drink of the summer, I had a, I had a couple, but um, I've kind of rediscovered whiskey. Miles last year at some point was talking about whiskies, and I do love a whiskey, and so I can't remember which one I bought. But just having it with um, with uh, soda water, which makes it a little fizzy and a little interesting, and some ice blocks. So probably there are whiskey aficionados out there who are rolling their eyes going, oh, my gosh, you know, soda. <laughs> but it was a really lovely summer drink and not very um, calorie-oriented, mm. kilojoule-oriented, I think. Yes, it's what you feel like eating after you have the... Or the next morning when you have a hangover because yeah. you had seven whiskeys. Yeah. No, I, I sort of continued on the French 75 bent um, from winter to summer, and they just go down well at any time of the year. But I must say, and I avoided it, I, I just wasn't around for the um, first couple of weeks I was back, but in the last couple of weeks, just an ice-cold rosé with lots of ice, pale. I know, I know, Corrie, I know your views on rosé, <laughs> but it is, it's a great summer drink. It is just the perfect summer drink. Well, there we have it, the cocktail cabinet. Ladies, next week's almost Valentine's Day. Do you just poo-poo that or can you give me some recommendations for romantic beverages? Oh, or champagne. Well, champagne. that's obvious. But. Oh, sorry. Sometimes obvious is best, Jane. But you don't, you know, if you go out for dinner or something on St Valentine's Day, you don't have so much to drink that you're either really untidy or Loose lips, sink ships, and relationships. Mm-hmm. Oh, here we go. There could be a whole Valentine's. Valentine's Day was, you know, Brendan used to put a lovely little message in the paper in the early years of our Aww. marriage. But uh, honestly, I don't. <laughs> I know. I know. But I'll never. I'll never. I, I'll never be able to take that seriously or him seriously. Anyway, but. don't forget use the promo code Mess at the checkout when you head to PrinceWineStore.com.au. And like Corey said, uh, get to know the team. And then you can just look at your order and work out what you bought last month, Corey, so you That's never right. forget. And they really do have things there that you can't find yes. anywhere else. Now, Corey, it's time to move on to BSF, our first one for 2022. Thank you again, Red Energy, awarded CanStar's most trusted energy retailer nationally for 2021. Um, you are, we're each going to basically give our top three of books, screen and food. But before we do, you've relaunched the book pod. Where can people find it and who is your first guest? Uh, they, we're very excited, sadly, without Miss Jane as our producer because she's way too important and busy these days to do the book pod. We miss you, Janie, but we have Melinda Williams who has done work over the years with Neil Mitchell, who is a friend of ours. Um, she's an author of a book. And she's doing such a great job working with me on the book pod. And the first episode of this new release went up last week. And it's an interview I did um, a few weeks ago with David Williamson, Australia's foremost playwright. He's written a new memoir, Caro. It's sensational. And in fact, our friend um, Chris Barry 
who is Anna from the Op Shop's husband, who is um, an actor, has uh, really enjoyed this book too. All the old Carlton days, the Pram Factory versus La Mama, all the politics of moving to Sydney, um, writing the film script with Peter Weir on Gallipoli. It's a great book and it's. A, I really enjoyed the chat. You can find the book pod really through uh, pretty much any podcast provider. Just um, If you're having a bit of trouble, just... Um, send me an email, Corey at corryperkin.com.au and I'll help you. But we're using a, a terrific Swedish company called Acast and they have, they're lined up with Spotify, uh, Apple, um, a whole lot of the regular podcast providers. So thanks for the opportunity to talk about it. And um, yeah, long may she sail. I look forward to, you've got some wonderful guests coming up. Um, one of whom I gather in the coming times will be Sarah Winman. And I want to kick off with her for my top three books I've read this summer since I got home. You very kindly gave me The Year of Marvellous Ways, another one set largely in Cornwall, a beautiful, very lyrical novel, Um, not probably, I mean, I I think Still Life is still her absolute best novel and, you know, her triumph and I really hope she kicks on and continues to write brilliant novels. But The Year of Marvellous Ways was just a wonderful story about a very old woman and a very troubled young man um, kicking off just at the end of World War Two. A wonderful, wonderful story. It's a beautiful book. And can't you see where, you know, Evelyn Skinner, who is one of the heroes of Still Life, uh, can't you see where Sarah Winman um, kind of got so much of her inspiration? Because this character, Marvellous Ways, Marvellous is a wonderful, magical, mystical character, but the relationship we ha- she has with the younger man reminds me so much of Evelyn and Ulysses. If you like still, if you love still life, you'll really love, I think, A Year of Marvellous Ways, don't you think? Yeah, I, I do. Um, there, there's always a bit of a mystical element in her books, and this time the large... The largest element, I suppose, is about mermaids. But I, I thought it was a, a wonderful book. I also really enjoyed Love and Virtue, um, the new hot bestseller by Diana Reid, a very young Sydney woman um, who was written basically about her first two years as an under, not so privileged attendee of a women's college at Sydney University. Um, it's about gender politics. People are hailing her as a new Sally Rooney. I, I think she deserved. Like Sally Rooney, her story is not, it, it does have nuance. I mean, it's not just a black and white version of some terrible things that happened at um, this Sydney Women's College and their brother college, St. Thomas's. It's Fairfax College and St. Thomas's College. It's a book about a girl who comes from Canberra um, on a scholarship, gets to know a group of really privileged white Sydney private school kids, what happens to her, how her story is used by someone else, the story of a friendship. Um, As I say, it's not black and white. I really enjoyed it. And I'm still on the William Boyd trail. I mean, I'm just so happy because he's still got books I haven't read. But Waiting for Sunrise, a wonderful, dare I say, bit of a spy theme set pre and during and post World War One in Austria and London and a bit of um, Switzerland as well. Really, really enjoyable book, Waiting for Sunrise. What about Great. you? Great. Um, the Promise by Damon Galgut was one of the highlights of my three over summer. Uh, this book won the Man Booker Prize, uh, the Booker Prize um, uh, at the end of last year. It's a family saga set across 40 years of um, turbulent South African 
history. So it starts in the 1980s when it's uh, under apartheid rule, moves through the Mandela years and to uh, current contemporary um, South Africa. And it is really, really sensational. It is entirely obvious to me why this book won the Booker Prize. And book clubs, take note, It's a we did our summer book club with this book and the conversation was vigorous and exciting. Um, Carol, a, a bit of a different one. I love Miriam Margulies, the the um, English actor. And in fact, did you know she was the voice of Fly in Babe? No, I didn't. But she's you know, in the everything. mother. She bobs up everywhere, doesn't she? Well, she did. She's done a lot of voiceover work over the years. I didn't realise she had done so much. I didn't and she know that. was she was Fly, the border collie. Anyway, um, her memoir, "This Much Is True," is one of the finest. You know how I love. Um, one of the English lovies um, autobiographies. It started with Alec Guinness many years ago. But um, This Much Is True is a sensational book. Miriam is very frank about what it was like to be a plump, gay, Jewish woman at the time of Monty Python and all of that Oxbridge set, that comedy set, and how sexist those gentlemen were, such as John Cleese and so on. Really interesting, but a great career, terrific story. And, I mean, I agree with you about A Year of Marvellous Ways. And my third choice would be The Island of Missing Trees by the Turkish writer Elif Shafak, and it's set on Cyprus at the time of the 1974 Civil War and flips over to modern-day London. And it's this forbidden love story between a Turkish Cypriot girl and a Greek Cypriot boy. It's great. Uh, I can't believe it's taken me so many months to discover this book. Um, So, again, another good book club book. Caro, on to screen. What about the best three screen you've watched over summer? Well, I've seen a lot of films. Um, I saw a lot of films on the plane, obviously, and um, I've watched a lot of stuff on TV, Netflix, etc. But I have to say the, the film I nicked in to see last night um, because it was so hot and the cinema was so cool, which is called Parallel Mothers, the new film by Pedro Almodovar, starring Penelope Cruz, of course. It's two different stories in one. They say it's his best since All About My Mother. I was riveted by it. Like all his films, very melodramatic, soap operatic. It opens with Penelope Cruz and a much younger woman in a maternity ward, both about to give birth as single mothers. The other girl who is brilliantly acted by another Spanish actor whose name I can't remember, but she's a teenager. Penelope's in her late 30s. They both have different views about motherhood. They both have very different situations. The trajectory of their lives is not so much parallel, but it is extraordinary. Is, it, other... a, is it a bleak story? No, no, but it, it's, a, it's very soap operatic and it's a melodrama. But the other story, um, which dates back to Franco and the Spanish Civil War, is about war graves that are going to be exhumed. And Penelope Cruz's character, her great-grandfather, is one of ten the film's set in Madrid, but it's all about her great-grandfather and these other nine men who were kidnapped and murdered and buried. She's a photographer. She befriends an archivist. What are people called who go and dig up? An archaeologist, sorry. A famous archaeologist. And he agrees to help her try and respect and honour the life of her great-grandfather. So it's about that as well. So it's about genetics of the past and the future. A lot happens in this film, but very, very enjoyable. The other two I'm just going to mention, Supernova, 
a wonderful two-parter. Isn't that wonderful? Yeah. We have Colin, talked about that on the podcast I know, before, but, but I hadn't seen isn't it. Isn't it gorgeous? Colin Firth and your favourite, Stanley Tucci, whose book I've really been enjoying too. Clem left it um, at the beach. And, and have you caught up that. with the Italian series yet? No. Oh, yes, I have. Yes, we, It's brilliant. So that's just a, a wonderful story about death, I suppose, and about Alzheimer's and a, a, and, and a travel log, absolutely beautiful. And Corrie, I'm really, I'm sorry, but I'm really enjoying and just like that. I know, I'm really enjoying it. I know it's why, why time would to I, be. Why would I be critical of that? This I, is a sex. We in have the city. to talk. We, we're going to talk about this potties next week. So just uh, again to open up the mailbag, write to us at feedback. What is it, Jane? Feedback at don't oh, at don't shoot pod. Yes.com.au. Thank so you, ladies. I know we want to know Samantha's what you think about there. I know they've all had work, particularly Charlotte. I know that they're trying to be politically correct and it is so woke, it is ridiculous. I mean, I swear there's not a woke issue. The amount of black characters characters have introduced, non binary characters. Um, there's so many theys and it, it's it's quite funny watching them deal with all of this. And I'd like a bit more about their own lives than the woke issues, but I'm loving it. Great. We'll talk about it next week. Loving Bodies. it. What about you? Uh, well, I would I would kick off, and this is going to um, amuse you somewhat, I think, being the Ricardos. Oh, yeah, that was great. <laughs> Love that. Being the Ricardos is a fabulous uh, film. It's the story of uh, Lucille Ball and Desi Arnaz. Are you going to apologise now? <laughs> I was waiting for you to say that. Okay. Nicole Kidman, I apologise. You are a Brilliant actor. Can you record that? You've recorded it, Jane. I hope. If you keep, if you if you use that in ads, Jane, I'll keep you. <laughs> I I just thought, I, honestly, Nicole. So there's a there's a presence. I mean, Javier Bardem is terrific as as um, Desi, who who is uh, who is brilliant. I mean, he is the brains behind the Desi Lou productions that create I Love Lucy in the early fifties. But he also is a band leader with a nighttime lifestyle and he has a mm. drinking issue and he's a womanizer. So there's a whole lot of that kind of stuff that comes through. But this is basically a week in the production of this show. And it is fascinating. And Lucille Ball, having met, then later watched the documentary with uh, about her, which features Carol Burnett, among others, and excuse me, all of these Hollywood comedian comedians talking about the impact that she had on women and comedy and opening the door so they could all walk through. It's really fascinating. And I think Nicole Kidman deserves an Academy Award nomination. She probably deserves an Oscar. It is an outstanding performance. So I urge people to have a look at that, being the Ricardos. Caro, I love, love me. The terrific Australian series on Foxtel with Hugo Weaving as the recently widowed, long-suffering Glenn and the brilliant Boana Nokakovic, is that how I pronounce her surname, who plays his daughter Claire or Clara and Heather Mitchell, uh, a wonderful Australian actress. I haven't um, seen this. As the it's new on woman Foxtel, in, did yeah, you say? As the new woman in Glenn's life. It's it's a local production. Uh, there's a handful of series and it is really beautiful. And it's about the love lives of um, Glenn and his two children following the death of their wife slash mother and um, their different love lives. But it's beautifully, it's beautifully photographed. Um, 
the, the acting is absolutely superb. And Hugo Weaving, he is such a he is such a talent. He, he really is. is. Great Who actor. also played Rex in Babe. He did. I do remember that. The Black Border Collie. Anyway, and the third one I would say is All Creatures Great and Small, the new series on ABC TV on Saturday nights, <laughs> starring Nicholas Ralph as James Herriot and Samuel West as... Um, Tristan? No, as Zieg, Ziegfried. Ziegfried. Sorry. Um, and did you know Samuel West is the son of Timothy West and Prunella Scales? Of Faulty Towers. Films. I did, did not. Anyway, it's lovely. It's gorgeous. It's a bit of a romp. Um, Nothing and- really happens, though. I watched the whole series overseas. Oh. Rose Bandit and said, Mum, they've spent five minutes on a dog and a group of cattle. We're not oh. watching this. And she, she banned it. Oh. So Brenda and I used to watch it sneakily when she wasn't around because I, I found it very pretty to look at. But it's. Well, I have to fess up to Francesca now. This is the. Um, the night that you came home and asked me what time I'd put Hattie to bed, I did tell you a little bit of a fib. She actually stayed up and watched All Creatures Great and Small with me. She loved it. She was in bed at 9.30, I promise, but that's why she was tired and horrible the next day. <laughs> certainly okay, good, Certainly good for children. <laughs> I just want to say as a fourth, because I know you talked about this before Christmas, but I did go and see Spencer. Well, I think he probably will get an Oscar nomination. I think so too, definitely. Yeah, Kristen yeah. Stewart. What a dark, dark... Grim, isn't it? Oh, not what I, I know that you had said that it was dark, but it's really, uh, and touching on those issues of anybody who's had connections with bulimia, anorexia, uh, marriage breakdown. Um, oh my goodness gracious me, what an incredible film. It was a touch of the turn of the screw, a touch of Henry James about it too, I thought. Very black, wasn't it? Yeah. Very, really scary. Anyway, that was, um, that's our viewing for this summer. Corrie, very quickly, because you have cooked a lot more than me, and I gather you have restored your reputation as a cake maker with a couple of wonderful cakes. After the sponge disaster of 2019. 2019. Jane and I still remember it. Um, Look, I've gone back to, and I know, I think you're going to talk about Donna Hay. I've gone back to an old Donna Hay tried and true, her shredded chicken and mint noodle salad. A beautiful and very easy recipe. The only hard bit is um, shredding the chicken in terms of time. But this is a beautiful and very healthy recipe and it will be on our show notes. I've also finally perfected the pav. Finally. I've finally, you know, when in doubt, I had all these beautiful blackberries from my cousin Edwina and I made a pav around um, um, January 26. I really think we need to change that date, by the way. But um, when in doubt, go to taste.com.au. And what they did was all the usual things about low oven, you know, leave it in the oven when the oven cools down, stiff peaks of the egg whites. But you add a tablespoon of sugar at a time. You don't add it at once. And maybe I've never done that before. That is the secret to the not cracking and a little bit of corn flour, of course, and a little <clears throat> a little bit of vanilla, vanilla essence. And the other one, which is a great hostess gift, I think, and reminded me of the cheesy feet that we had all those years ago in Cornwall, in Foy, were my Aunt Louise's cheese biscuits. Touch of cayenne, four ounces butter, four ounces grated, grated tasty cheese and four ounces flour. Oven, 180, 20 minutes. Put the mixture in the fridge if you're making it on a hot day before you Yum. actually... You could actually get a little cookie cutter that's the shape of a baby's foot 
You and could you could do actually. your own cheesy feet. You could. Well, I, I made I made some, which for, we always found a bit bizarre, didn't well, we? <laughs> I, I made some for my friend Trude, who had a bit of a, a flooding debacle last week, like so many others. I've seen the flooding debacle. Mm. Oh, mm. apparently the assessor was there for several hours. Bit of an avalanche as well. Oh. But um, she said, "Oh, it's the cheesy feet." And I said, "Well, sadly, they're round. They're not. Che- they're not um, feet." But um, four ounces translates to about one hundred and thirteen grams, I think. So four ounces, four ounces, four ounces. Butter, flour, grated tasty cheese, intersperse it with some parmesan if you want, and half a teaspoon of cayenne. Yum. Yum. So, Carol. You've got a new Donahay. I'm excited. I have a new Donahay. I'll get onto that in a minute. But the, the photograph, I think, Miss Jane, one of the photographs she'll put up on um, our Instagram account, which is um, Don't Shoot Pod, will be simply, not simple, but simply by Sabrina Yahur. She is the successful author of Persiania, a beautiful cookbook that came out a while ago, uh, predominantly Middle Eastern cooking, and simply has been my go-to this summer. I have loved it. And in particular, I have um, loved the um, baked sweet potato and za'atar and garlic chips. I won't give you the recipe because it will Sounds be on the amazing. show notes, but they are a winner. Particularly, actually, yes, they can accompany fish and so on, but also as a pass around before dinner if you're having people for drinks. But I did want to, my two recipes are out of Donna Hay's new cookbook, One Pan Perfect by Donna Hay. It came out just before Christmas. Daughter Francesca has declared this the best Donna Hay yet. She's probably right in my view. Two recipes I wanted to mention, the chicken with halloumi, chicken with burnt lemons and halloumi, which is so easy for a family midweek um, dinner. And the recipe will be on the show notes, but essentially you um, put um, you put lemons and marjoram on a large baking tray and drizzle it with oil and bake that for about 20 minutes. Fresh and, marjoram? Yes. That's um, one herb that's rocketing in my garden. Yes, so or, or dried. I only had dried. So, uh, and and, and, um, and you can use oregano as well. So I used oregano too. And then that is like a drizzle. It becomes a bit of a drizzly paste. When the lemons start to char on the edges, you add the chicken um, breasts to, uh, which have been trimmed onto the top of that and you top it with halloumi, drizzle with honey, and then you sprinkle with a bit of salt and pepper. And again, I put some more oregano stems on that. And it um, it cooks, cook it till it cooks through, put it on a plate of spinach leaves or something like that. And you've got the hot chicken, the halloumi, the lemons with that slightly honey taste to it. It is absolutely delicious. And then the other one, the third one that has been on a bit of repeat, nothing, um, nothing kind of um, unusual about this is her, and I can't find it here where it is, but it's a, it's charred broccoli studio salad. And it's essentially, as you know, you can put the the um, broccoli on the barbecue if you want, but it has the salad dressing and the salad components of baby capers, red chilies, grated lemon rind, uh, garlic, feta, wild rocket, um, and grated parmesan on the top if you want with lemon wedges. It is absolutely delicious and is a meal in itself, truth be told. So those are my three recipes for summer. And Donna Hay's book is called One Pan Perfect. That sounds absolutely beautiful, that broccoli recipe. And can I just say, um, I want to compliment you on the salmon you cooked for me a week or so ago, which was out of one of our other favourites. Was that yeah. Julia? No, that was out, that was from the Otter, new Ottolenghi cookbook. Oh, that's right, off the off the uh, shelf? Uh, no. Yeah, the shelf, um, on the shelf, on the in shelf. the shelf, in the pantry. I don't know. <laughs> 
<laughs> anyway, it, it was absolutely beautiful. Can't remember. It involved tahini yes, and salmon. And, yeah, and, and the halloumi and sitar mix on the top oh, of it. Absolutely delicious. delicious. So that was BSF, an extended BSF for Red Energy, powered by Snowy Hydro, a leader in renewable energy. Call Red Energy on 131806. Corrie, very quickly, I'm grumpy today, and I know everybody has had their views on Nick Curios and Tanazi Kokonakis, the special case. But the fact that we read on Tennis Australia's website about these wonderful two young men and their new, the, the fact that they've got this fun friendship and new fans tells me that Tennis Australia has been irresponsible in not calling out Nick Curios's behaviour, his disgraceful behaviour. The Channel 9 commentators, ditto. Um, people blame the media, but I don't, I don't think it's anyone else really apart from the, bro- the tennis broadcaster. And Channel 7 used to be just as bad in the case of Nick Curios. Why are they in awe of him? Well, I mean... Apart from the fact he's a very good tennis player, but seriously... Is he that good? Well, he that's a, that is an interesting question He hasn't question got what too. it takes to be a champion. I mean, I'm sorry, they won the doubles. You know, oh, no, Carol, No offence to the Super oh, no. and the Woodies. Oh, my goodness. Corey, they're doubles champs. I mean, this is hey, not... Hey, there was a time in Australian tennis, Carol, when that was enough for us, remember? When it's Davis Cup. Let's see Let's see him repeat it in the Davis Cup. Yes, I agree with I, that. I just honestly that believe... That sorts out the men I mean, the boys. obviously his comments... Are, and I don't know why I'm even talking about them before Ash Barty. It's quite extraordinary, isn't it, too, that you couldn't script a two more polar opposites than Ash Barty and that bloke whose surname is Curios, Nick Curios. You couldn't... You couldn't that script blo- that a, a, a better behaved, more gracious champion and a champion who's now won three of the four, you know, major tournaments in tennis. The only one she hasn't won now is the US Open. She is an utter star. She behaved beautifully. She saved Tennis Australia's bacon. And for Curios to say, you know, just look at the ratings, clearly, you know, we're the major draw card. No, Nick, you, you rode on her coattails. You can't win anything. You don't have the dedication. To be a champion is not just having talent. She has actually done it through hard work and having talent. He has not won anything. And so why do people keep saying he's so talented? I, I, I reckon he's hiding behind the fact that he's not that talented. He doesn't have what it takes to be a champion. And great, win the doubles. But you know what? That's not going to bring you down in history. Mm, I can think of a few politicians that hide behind, hide behind the hysterics and the language. Caro, your colleague, our colleague, uh, Tony Wright at The Age, uh, had a really had wrote a really lovely piece the other day on Ash Barty's win, and he said in one part, "No histronics here, no shrieking or back chat to officials or smashing of rackets. Just tennis played at such a high pitch, it left us gladdened and privileged to see such virtuosity." How is that? As opposed to self indulgent, spoiled, greedy, badly brought up. Don't get me started. Okay, six quick questions. Thank you, Red Energy, for allowing us an opportunity to. Answer and question one another about these different matters. You what, first. What were the first four words you? I don't. This is a weird. Okay, question. keep going. What were the first four words you saw for twenty twenty two? And what is this game? And can I play? That's three okay. questions in one. If you look at your phone, I have just sent you an image of a word game that my new best friend Sarah Winman. Um, English author. Hi, Sarah. Doesn't listen to the podcast, but one day she will. Um, she sent this and 
I thought, oh, these things, these drive me crackers. So it's a, it's a whole lot of random letters in a crossword pattern and it's your visual connection with these words. What words can you see? And it's supposed to determine what your 2022 is going to be like. Yes, okay, I believe in fairies and I read the horoscope, okay? Go with me for a minute on this, Kaz. The first four words I saw, breakthrough, miracles, purpose and money. Jane? I keep seeing gold because I keep seeing GLD in a sequence. Well, keep looking. I don't I don't think it's very good podcast fodder, but I will keep looking. And, and are those words actually there, the ones uh, you they'll said? They'll all pop in, but don't look for it. Just You've just got to randomly look. I oh, See, you just don't have the mindset Power? to do this. Power. That would be you. Power? Well, that was the one I just saw then. Well, you are a powerful Did person. you say power? Did Was that one no, of yours? No, that was not one of mine. Creation? Oh, MCG. <laughs> MCG's there. Okay. Um, care. Care. Oh, dear. Maybe there'll be a bit of care going on at your place with all those COVID patients. Nothing, probably. nothing wrong with care. That's interesting. Maybe you'll, maybe you'll be invited to be a trustee at the MCC this year or something. Oh, That's, or maybe you'll be, be invited to a footy I'll, lunch. I would be hopeless <laughs> at the first, great at the second. What is this game and where can we play it? Um, I don't know, actually, but I'll find out and we'll put oh. it on the show notes. Well, you, I just send it to you. It's just a picture, but I, I don't know. You don't, you don't devise a question you don't know the answer to. No, I don't because I just sort of picked it up somewhere. But Jane will, um, Jane will pop it on the show notes and people will. Okay. Okay, that's the answer. You can play it on our show notes. Yeah, that's right. That's the answer. Um, now, what, do I have something to ask you? Yes, I do. Where's my oh. question? What's the strangest thing you've seen on a supermarket shelf lately, Caro? Corrie, the world has gone slightly mad. Yesterday, in my local Coles, Heinz Street Food Sources. I mean, please. Surely the, the very fact that they are street food sources Don't should, thump the desk, should not mean that they are produced by Heinz and sold in a massive chain supermarket. Do you know what you can get? You can get a Korean one. You can get teriyaki. You can get soy and vinegar. They so you think in, this is a tautology, that it's a complete... It's not street food if it's made by Heinz and sold in Coles. I just thought that was the strangest thing I've ever seen. Anyway, Corrie, of the 50 British endangered sayings, which one would you be the saddest to see leave our conversation? Oh, the Telegraph on the weekend, the London Telegraph had a great story about this because they surveyed 2,000 adults between the age of 18 and 50 and said, do you know what any of these mean? And sadly, there are a whole lot of phrases that you and I have grown up with that people don't understand and don't know. But the one I felt sad, saddest of all that is leaving the vernacular is snug as a bug in a rug. Why is it leaving the vernacular? Because a whole lot of people don't know what it means. Caro, there are people who don't know what... Na- um, 71% of the 2,000 people interviewed said they had never heard of the term nail your colours to the mast and 64% hadn't had not heard of... A stitch in time saves nine. No. Exactly. No. I, know. I was shocked. I well, was absolutely shocked. Well, that's a famous saying, isn't it, that the opposite is many hands make light work and the other one is too many cooks spoil the broth. So they are opposite. A stitch in time saves nine. There's one that opposes that as well. doesn't come to me now. But I guess people don't really sew anymore, do they? Well, I mean, I people guess do, so. but... But, Not enough but young you know, people. 52% said they have never heard of the saying, have a chinwag. 
They don't know what a chinwag is. I mean, I use it. Oh, chinwag. All What's the, time. the world coming to? <laughs> no. So anyway, I thought you just might find that quite interesting. Now, have Neil Young and Joni Mitchell done the right thing, moving themselves off Spotify? I think they've made a very brave and really interesting decision. Now, if you want to listen to Crosby, Stills, Nash and Young and Neil Young songs on compilation albums, you can still get them on Spotify. But you know, the fact that he, I think he sold half his playlist a few years ago for a nine-figure sum, and the fact that, um, so he obviously has a lot of money anyway, and so he should. Um, but when you look at Spotify, who's gone, I think in um, 2020, I think they went from about 5% to 83% of having all US artists, from 3% to, sorry, 5% to 83% of all US artists. This is a big decision by Neil Young, who led the way against the anti-vaxxer conspiracy theorist Joe Rogan to remove himself because he said to Spotify, it's him or me. Joe Rogan, I think, has about 11 million followers, which is of great concern to me. He's paid a lot of money, millions of dollars, by Spotify to do his podcast on their um, platform. platform. Thank you. Um, And I think um, if someone... When you're rich and powerful and famous, you can take these stands. And if you really believe in it, I think it's a very brave thing to do. Joni Mitchell's done the same thing following Neil Young. And interestingly, their biggest supporter so far, their most vocal supporter, has been the World Health Organization. So what does that tell you? Clearly, they think that what Joe Rogan is spreading is incredibly dangerous. Both... um, both Neil Young and Joni Mitchell suffered polio as children. Vaccines are something they feel passionately about. And I think absolutely good on them. And I think what Joe Rogan is spreading is just disgusting. Mm. So good on them. We need the Fouch. We need the Fouch to, to weigh in on this. We, we, need a, we need a few people, more people. Oh, Anthony Fouchy, he's a god. He's a god. Corrie, what summer fashion do you hope soon moves to the back of the wardrobe and doesn't emerge for another 20 years? The puffed sleeve. Oh, Caro, it is, it's beautiful, but a lot of women cannot wear it. As my brother says, it does look good on the larger lass. <laughs> I think that was a Magda Zabansky saying from one of her shows. I reckon I wore a puff sleeve on Saturday night. What's wrong with a puff sleeve? Oh, there's nothing wrong with a puff sleeve, but I think you have to really look at your body shape and your body type and also your age because you can look a bit like the, the old milkmaid <laughs> in the back of the paddock. Oh my! It's been forgotten Carla by Zampardi men. Party has rocked the puff sleeve in her latest collection. No, Marie. look, you know, it's an eighties fashion. It should have stayed with the new romantics. Look, the thing oh. is about. Um, I had to write this down because I was in such a rage about it. My, I knew I wouldn't be able to get it out. If your shoulders and your upper body are narrow, um, it looks great. It looks great, and if you've got a bit of height, that looks fantastic. But if you're bigger breasted or you have wide shoulders, um, and that's when I think r- it does or, look or good. Rounded shoulders or rounded shoulders, I think. Or if you've got big curly hair, so for Jane and I, with our curl curls, it would not be because it's too much happening up the top. Um, look, I'm blaming Ilsa of Frozen for this new oh. trend. I, I honestly, I could not disagree more. But um, what about padded shoulders? Where do you stand on that? Oh, I don't mind a padded shoulder. I know I don't, and, and it takes me back to Dynasty in, um, you know, and Alexis Carrington, but uh, of the nineteen eighties. But it's it's just the puffy sleeve. It's beautiful. Like, don't get me wrong. I love nothing more than a puffy sleeve assured across the 
bust, a tight little waist and then a long skirt. I love that look. But there are just a lot of women who have been wearing, of all ages, who have been wearing puff sleeves this summer and I've thought, mm. What about a puffy sleeve with a, with a deep V? No, no shearing on, on this 61-year-old body, but the puffy sleeve, a deep V, and then just a flowing skirt. Is this what you wore the other night? And will be wearing many times, <laughs> might given have to have what a I look. spent on this dress. Yes. Look, I might have to have a look before I pass judgment. How puff is the puff? Well, in a, it, was a, it was a long puff, so it goes down to below your elbows. Oh, that's not too bad, because it, it depends on the fabric too, but if oh. it's sitting up all stiff and... Yeah. No, 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 it's more it's flowy chiffony puff. Mm. You just um, don't want too much fabric around chiffon. your body when you're an older woman. Oh, anyway, no, well, well, show it to me and I'll, I'll pass judgment. As I slump out of the studio, <laughs> rounded shoulders. Actually, the, oh, I, I'm, I'm all the big things you said, but I don't have round shoulders, so maybe I can get away with it. You have a very narrow top. You have, you've got, you have a narrow... Mm. You know, no, you can. Well, you have to show me. You'll just have to. I'd like to have a Trini and Susanna moment I'll in your wardrobe. You, I'll, send, I'll send Jane a photo of me in the puff. Oh, she's <laughs> she's obviously quite happy with herself, Jane, because she's happy to put it on the, pod, on the podcast happy. Instagram. Well, I'm not sure about that. I might we, just we have a Jane. lot of we have a lot of shots on our Instagram account of you in various beautiful dresses, and you send them to Jane without telling me, and all of a sudden, <laughs> oh, Carol, I love I've you. Never done love your dress. Oh, Carol, you look so great, so great, I've so never, great. have I ever sent you. Yes. You asked me to send you a brown, the brown photo once. You yes. asked me to. Solicit it, Corey, solicit She's never asked me to send any pretty frocks. Oh, come dresses. on. Um, come okay, on. Carol, what's this amazing, what's this week's amazing fact, fact introducing this new segment or newish or spin-off from Dutch fact? Fact? Oh, I can't say fact. Well, well, this is, I suppose it's an, I think it's an amazing fact, has been the growth of the self-love industry. Is this a new concept? Well, have you ever seen Valentine's Day ads in the past promoting self-love as opposed to... No, I have not. Well, I saw one at the cinema last night. What do it, you do? Well, <laughs> I think I don't need Actually, to... <laughs> Jane. I knew, I see, I knew Jane. this would happen, Jane. I knew this Get would happen. Get your head out of the Sorry. bedroom. I mean, well, Jane's head is in the accurate place. Um, some wonderful products like Verde Remedy, which is a wonderful remedy um, involving hemp that you rub on sores and you put on your lips, and it's a. They're going into the self love area. You can find them online. But <laughs> where um, else are you supposed to rub it to feel good? Well, <laughs> I, this industry is now worth. It, it has gone nuts. And Valentine's Day is coming up. And last night at the Como Cinema, there was a, a Bras and Things ad for Bras and Things. And it was all about self-love. There were people, I mean... What the, do you mean? How the, do you advertise a bra shop? Underwear. Self-love, just do yourself a favour and buy your own underwear. Which buy, actually is not such a bad thing. because They're doing men, more than buying <laughs> their own underwear on this ad at the Como Cinema. They're... They're putting their hands into their underwear. So I'm just going to leave it at that. There's masturbation at the Como oh, Cinema? someone said it. <laughs> I knew, I knew she would say this. I knew. I, I was, well, well, you led me down the garden path. I, we can talk about masturbation. It was just, it's fascinating. Dear Carol and Corey. Have you ever seen an ad like that at the cinema? I no, mean, I, I have not. I no, wasn't I have shocked not. and I have no problem with it, but I mentioned it to a few people and they said, oh, no, the self-love industry is now absolutely massive. Absolutely really? massive. And so for Valentine's Day, the promotion is not send your loved one beautiful underwear, whether it is your girlfriend or your boyfriend, but send it to yourself. Yeah, well, and, you know. I, and I'm, love yourself. Well, 
Yeah. Isn't that isn't but, that interesting? Well, I, I do think in terms of underwear that men should men. I mean, I'm sure girls buying girls underwear they would get it, but when men buy women underwear, I'm like really, at sixty, do you want a G string? Do you want a G wizard? Well, do you want well, something lacy? Not, you want something comfy? You want certainly you not want me. Nana, you want nana pants? This is the world's greatest segue. But anyway, the self love industry is my. I think it's an amazing fact because of the ads. It is burgeoning. Are we going to see them on television? You certainly see them over in Amsterdam. Well, okay, so just getting back to the original title of this section, what's this week's amazing fact? You've got to give me a fact. This is an observation that you've made. What's the fact? You've got to come to the table with the self-love industry has gone, gone up three hundred and twenty percent in the last five years. Well, it, it's just, I don't know the figures, but it is absolutely massive, and to the point where they are now advertising. Um, things that you wouldn't normally have advertised at the cinema. That is my amazing fact. And we would be very happy if anybody in the self-love industry wanted to be a sponsor of the book uh, pod, not the book pod, what am am I on? Don't shoot the messenger. Jane, would we be happy to have someone from that industry? Of course we would. Absolutely. The sales of any kind of intimate products, you're right, Cara, I just Googled it, through the roof in lockdown. Two years, sales skyrocketing. Oh, don't go. Don't, look at look on at that note, <laughs> On that note. It's We're been, going off to have some loving. It's great to be back. Jane, it's lovely to see you and your beautiful flowers. Tell me that beautiful seaside blue at thing sea again. Sea Holly, my new favourite. Yeah, it's absolutely beautiful. Um, my friend beautiful Tanya posy, brought me Jane. a bunch the other day and it sat in the vase for over two weeks and Do you know Jane die. has frozen shoulder because she's been whipping, whippersnippering too much in her on her... Rural estate. I feel like a thunderbird. <laughs> it's so wonderful hearing about the new discoveries in your garden, Jane. Corrie, great to see you again. Oh, nice to be back in the studio and see you too, Caro. Thank you to our dear podcast supporters, Red Energy. Red Energy, who's Australia's, well, it's actually been awarded Canstar's most trusted energy retailer nationally for 2021 and also of course to Prince Wine Store you can connect with us via Instagram, Facebook and Twitter and if you want to get our show notes delivered to your inbox each week hit the sign up button on Facebook or in our show and pl- in our show notes I should say or send us an email and we'll subscribe you please recommend us to a friend or three and email feedback at don'tshootpod.com.au Corrie, don't shoot the messenger for 2022 and self love everyone This podcast is proudly supported by Red Energy, most satisfied customers 11 years in a row. Isn't it time you called Red Energy on 131 806 and Prince Wine Store, bringing wine enthusiasts the greatest wine in the world.